like to encourage you guys to just to stay in that attitude of, of worship. You know, as I've, as I've shared with you before, worship is a lifestyle. You know, it's not just something that we do here on Sunday mornings or something that we do when we're glad and we're looking at the blessings of God, but that should, our worship should be every stage in our lives, whether or not we're in a valley or we're on a mountaintop, because God is worthy to be praised through it all. And I love that. I love that we serve a God who understands, you know, who understands what we're going through, understands how fallible, how insecure, how imperfect we are. And just like that song says, he's always, all he's saying to you right now is come. Come with who you are. Let me make you into the person that I created you to be. It's so beautiful. Beautiful. I don't like me, God. I hate to admit it, but I gotta be honest. I feel so reckless, so thoughtless, so heartless and faithless without rest. God, I'm a mess. Now, this this shell of a man, this hell of a man who can't seem to stand or stick to a plan that's not covered with greed or an easier way for those plans to succeed. God, I need you. Now, I don't want this talk to be all about me and my flaws and my doubts and my insecurities, but you tell me who I can turn to but you when I feel shattered and worthless and broken in two. I mean, do you like me, God? Do you know who I am? Do you see me for more than what I see, more than just this man, more than what I tell myself, more than what I fear, more than what I compare myself to looking in the mirror? Do you see beauty in these broken pieces, shatter a shelter in this heart? Do you see purpose in these broken hands that could one day form a work of art? Jesus If you like me, then show me. If you love me, then know me. If there is purpose, then grow me. If I am empty, then overflow me. And fill me up, Lord, and help me stand and plant the seeds of life within this wasteland of a man. Overflow me with purpose and a reason to breathe, to see your reality, your eternity, and your cross that sets me free. See how these shattered pieces of my life and its longing to search will one day become the stained glass of your church. Good morning, church. (laughs) Thank you. I know that's a little unorthodox, but I, um, in preparing this message, you know, I, I wanted to, to speak. And so I, I wrote this poem, or should I say the Lord wrote this poem uh, through me. And it just has so much to do with, with the insecurities that we have here living in this nation, living as people, uh, wandering through this, this life. So good to see you guys. Uh, my name is Pastor Josh. I'm the youth pastor here at Christian Faith Fellowship. It's so great to see you guys. Uh, please keep Pastor uh, PD, Pastor David, uh, your prayers. He is on vacation. He'll be back next week. You know, even though he's our pastor and he's our leader, he needs a day off or two, correct? Amen. So uh, please keep Pastor Dave in your prayers uh, as they are going camping. He's an outdoorsy kind of guy. And so him and his coffee-addicted family are (laughs) enjoying a couple of well-deserved days off in the wilderness. And it's so great. So please uh, pray that he gets the rest that he needs and he comes back ready to knock us down once again with another sermon that comes from the Lord. Amen? Amen.
Amen. As I said, it's so good to see you guys. It's been a crazy year so far, but I'm so grateful. I'm grateful. I'm so thankful. Uh, I'm thankful for what the Lord has done in my life and what the Lord is doing in my life. He's an amazing God. Um, He's blessed me with so much. He's taught me so much. I don't know if you guys knew this last month. uh, I became engaged uh, to a beautiful... Thank you. To a beautiful, wonderful woman uh, that came from the Lord because she wasn't what I was looking for. She was what I needed. Wasn't what I was looking for. And God said, you know, just wait. If you wait for my best, I'll give you my best. And knowing once you have my best, this is something that's going to last. This is something that's not going to break your heart. This is something that's going to make you stronger in your relationship with me and your relationship with this person. And I love that. So uh, Rebecca, my beautiful fiance, um, will be here for the second service. Uh, so uh, if you see her, please uh, say hello to her. She's such a wonderful, wonderful gift from the Lord. I'm so blessed to have her. Um, and you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. I love you too. I'm so grateful uh, that we get to share the sing called Life Together and that, that we're not alone in, in our doubts and our struggles. As I mentioned earlier, in the hilltops and in the valleys that we're in, we're not alone. You know, we have a relationship with the Lord, but we have each other to lean on. We have what is called the body of Christ with us today. And I'm so grateful, as I said, for you guys and the fact that we get to share this thing called life together. So I don't know if you noticed the screen. It's a little freaky looking, uh, but it's just something that the Lord has been tagging on my heart or tugging my heart for the past couple of weeks. And it's in a little bit of an uncomfortable subject because we all go through identity crisis. We all go through those times where we're not sure. We just don't know what to do with the world around us. And we just don't know how to define ourselves sometimes. But I'm here to, uh, to tell you, church, that in Jesus' name, you defining yourself is not your job. You defining yourself and who you thinking who you are, that's not your job. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I'd like to start this uh, sermon off with a question. And that question is, who do you think you are? I know it's a weird question, right? I mean, it usually comes after an insult, right? Like you're either talking to your spouse or your brother or your sister, and they say something stupid. You know, they say something uh, horrible and ugly. I remember one time I was having a conversation uh, with one of my siblings, and I was getting a little bit of a belly, and one of them said, you look like a snake that swallowed a rabbit. And I was like, what? Who do you think you are? (laughs) You know, but I just... As I said, it comes off as an insult, you know, when someone comes out with this kind of response. It's usually after some sort of fight or an argument. But how many times, even as believers, even as people who belong to Christ, do we feel the need to ask this of ourselves time and time again? I mean, if, if we're supposed to have the ultimate truth and the ultimate satisfaction living inside of us, why do we feel the need to ask ourselves who we are? Who are we? Where do we belong? How do we fit in this picture? I mean, even as, as I said before, even as believers, we find ourselves looking outward uh, for some type of fulfillment to make us feel better about ourselves, our situations, and often, if we're honest, our faith. Like our faith isn't enough. Like we need to, we, we get tired of, of living the Christ-like example, and we, we look for a different means to satisfy us, knowing that they won't satisfy us, be it a relationship or a drug or a substance or an emotional attachment, things that we know won't satisfy us, but yet we're so consumed and we're so addicted to finding things outside of our relationship to Christ that will define us. I'm not just preaching to the, the congregation. I'm preaching to the mirror here because I struggle with this. I'm, but why, why are we like this? If we're supposed to have the greatest fulfillment in all of creation living inside of us, then why do we feel the need to look for more? 
See, I, I love these kind of settings because I, I don't want this just to me preaching to you, but I want us to understand as a congregation together so when you leave here, you don't feel like you feel better, but you feel like you have more of a purpose as I need to feel like I have more of a purpose because we've been created for so much more than why we are here today. But sometimes we feel that need, and you know what I'm talking about. You know what, what we go through when we, when we feel the need to look for objects or for emotional desires and things that make no difference absolutely no difference within the span of eternity things that we think will bring pleasure and fulfillment outside of having a relationship with christ out having outside of having that relationship with an eternal god who has created you to be exactly who he meant you to be jesus says in uh, john ten ten, it says the thief the world, the enemy, the things outside of your relationship with Christ, the things that, that tear you away, the things that, that nag at you, that, that, that say, I'll bring fulfillment, I'll bring satisfaction. The thief, the world, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I may come that you may have life and have it to the full. Not just life out here, but life in here. Because I think this is our biggest battle. Not the life around us around us but the life of inside of us that's inside of us the life that tells us day in day out that we're not enough because we we feel like we feel like we're not enough or when we have a bad day or we when somebody says something stupid or when we tell somebody something stupid and at the end of the day we just feel that need uh to be fulfilled more than uh the need to have the lord fill in us and make us complete now as i said before we uh we 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 fill ourselves in our, in our time with substances, with emotional attachments, with material possessions. Now, is there anything wrong with having nice things or receiving a blessing from a life's good work? Absolutely not. There isn't anything wrong. If God gives you, I mean, you look in the Bible, you look in the book of Job, before Job literally had all hell break loose upon him. He was a wealthy guy. You look at uh, King Solomon in the Bible. Oh my goodness, he was one of the richest kings who have ever existed. One of the richest, richest people who have ever existed. But, the end of, but at the end of his life, he said, uh, chasing these things was like chasing the wind. For my greater my wisdom, the greater my greed. The greater that I obtained uh, these things, the greater my need to fulfill them, to satisfy me. So he knew at the end of his life that even though he had all of these things, all of these trinkets, all of these material possessions, at the end of the day, at the end of his life, they were just not enough. So it's okay to have nice things. It's okay to have these material possessions. But once those material possessions become your God, then you have a problem. Amen? I, and, and as I said before, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with having these things. But so many Christians today, myself included, from time to time, are so primarily focused on earthly matters that may sound good to themselves as well, to the, as, well as to the, the world, but have no eternal value. No eternal value. Value that is placed upon what we think will satisfy, satisfy the flesh, but not the soul. And the soul is what matters. Amen. Things that, that may appear good and logical and accepting, but in the long run, in the eyes of an eternal God, can come crashing down to disastrous ends. You agree? Yes. Things that we sometimes use to overshadow the need for the desire of God and His Word. Jesus says in his word that, he, uh, that the Bible, this beautiful thing we call the word of God, is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. Do you think the world knows better? I mean, do you think you know better? I mean, if Jesus says himself that, that, that he is uh, the same yesterday, today, and forever, if we, have, if we serve an omnipresent God, that means a God who knew what was going to happen yesterday, knows what's going to happen today, and knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, don't you think it makes sense logistically to trust new a God that knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Then try to figure it out for yourself and feel that need to be satisfied over and over and over again and end up falling over and over, over again for things that we know do not matter. Right? And I don't want to just preach these things to you, as I said before, to make you feel better, but, but, but to preach you and, and to compel you, as I've been compelled myself, to really understand the state of my being and why I am here and why you are here. The purpose of why you are here is to know Jesus, not in the things around you, not even your family will satisfy you completely. The reason why you are here is to know Christ and to make Him known. And so many times... We feel the need to, to look for those things of the world that we think will satisfy us um, when we know well off that those things won't. We know well off that those things won't satisfy us. Those things will satisfy us only temporarily, but in the wrong, long run, they have no eternal meaning, no eternal value, no eternal purpose. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not with him. Now, <laughs> I think about situations that I find myself in in, in the times that I, I look for things of the world to satisfy me and I'm over that hump and I say, man, God, what, this big me- what is this big mess that I've created for myself? This big, unfulfilling, insecure mess um, that I have before me. What, what excuse do I have to give? And God just looks out down at me and says, Nothing. But as that song that we sang earlier, just come. God wants you broken, ugly, insecure, immature, and he wants to say, look, I know who you are. I know how imperfect you are, but I want you to come because I see your value. I see what you have in store. And and when you have me on your corner, when you have me in your heart, you have everything you need. Amen? Amen. Amen. But, but, but we as Christians, especially in this country, I love this country. I'm so grateful that I'm an American. I'm so grateful that, that I live in a country where I have, at least for now, uh, these spiritual freedoms that I have. But let me tell you, I hate to say this, but this country's messed up. I love this country. I do, I do. I love calling myself an American, but this country is messed up. This country needs Jesus. This country needs Christians who are willing to step out of the pews, out of where you guys are right now, and be the church into the world. But have we, have we come so weak in this country as God-fearing, self-sacrificing Christians that we cave into the culture's acceptances and not the eternal law of God himself? I mean, I mean, why do we feel the need to trade God's morals for the morality of a very insecure and constantly changing world? I mean, you guys will never belong to the world. If you are a part of the world, you'll still never belong to the world because you weren't created to belong to the world. You are created to be known and loved by a God who created you for his purposes. And we live in a time where, where society, secular society, has grown stronger and smarter. We live in a time where a secular society is fighting back. See, when my parents grew up, when my parents were younger, uh, you were considered weird if you didn't go to church. You were considered weird if you stayed home on Sunday. Now you're considered weird for the complete opposite. We live in a time where secular society is fighting back, where there is a constant clash between faith in the world and faith in God's word. 
or as uh, uh, Pastor Michael Maiden of Christ for the Nations Church, he quoted this. He said, every argument between the modern world and secular society and the church all rolled into one. There's that constant fighting back. There's that constant uh, battle. And we as Christians need to get smarter and prepare ourselves for a world that's not only noticing but attacking just as fiercely as we should. You know, arguments that, that, that make no sense into the eyes of the believer, but make perfect sense in the eyes of the world. You know, things that, that the world stands for and the world says are okay, but in the eyes of an eternal God, we need the strength and the spiritual goddess to say no. We need the strength and spiritual goddess to say, this is who we are, this is who we believe, what we believe in. If it hurts your feelings, I'm sorry, but I want your absolute best. See, arguments that sound something like this. Secular society says something like this. We want... X, the church. Well, you're free to do that. Secular society, but you think X is wrong. The church, yes, because we believe the Bible. Secular society, because you want to control us. The church, no, you are free to do whatever you want. Secular society, because you, but you think X is wrong. The church, yes, because we want your ultimate good, which is the very definition of love. Secular society, but we want to do X. The church, once again, you are free to do this. You are absolutely free to do this. Secular society, but we want you to say X is good. The church, we cannot say that. Secular society, why do you hate us? See, our culture has accepted two big lies. The first is, if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. That's not our job. It's not our job to fear or to hate somebody because of their lifestyle. Our job is to love and to nourish and direct as God directs us, direct as God gives us that direction, and to not only preach, but to teach by example. See, the world is tired. Now, I don't blame the world for this. The world is tired of the church saying you cannot do this and this and this and this and this and not living what you preach, not practicing what you preach. If you really want to change somebody, if you really want to tell somebody and allow them to see that there is a God who restores and perfects and creates as you were created to be, then follow that lifestyle. Practice what you preach. Don't just say it, but live it. That's what makes the biggest difference. The second lie is that to love someone means that you have to agree with everything that they believe or do. Both are complete nonsense. Both of them are bull. But instead of, of standing up to the spiritual injustices, because we're not battling uh, uh, against flesh and blood, but the principalities and darkness and, and, and in the spiritual realms within us, instead of battling and standing up against the spiritual injustices of the world, we find ourselves either trying to ignore them or not to talk about such sensitive issues. You know, because we don't, we don't want to get into those arguments. We don't want to be as smart as the world or as combative as the world. So we just kind of shy away, willingly choosing not to talk about such sensitive issues or give in in time as the church gets weaker and our faith gets more and more distorted by an evil and an evil accepting world. This is where we are. This is where we live in. This is the time that we live in. James 4, 4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's powerful. 
That, that's, that's white and black. There's no middle ground right there. If you're friends for, with the world and loving the things of the world and the things that you know that break God's heart, you make yourself an enemy of God. And at the end of the day, in the end of my life, I don't, I'm not going to be judged by the world. I'm going to be judged by a holy God. And he's going to say, did you listen to what the world says? Did you cave into what the world says because it made you feel better or it made you feel like you were more secure and, and, and happy and more popular? Or did you listen to me and do what I told you to do? Because what I have for you is of eternal value, has eternal purpose, has eternal value. First John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not of the Father, but is of this world. We're never going to belong here. You weren't meant to belong here. You know, we, we, we think about, we look at alien documentaries, but we're aliens ourselves. This is not our home, okay? We're going to be one day spending eternity somewhere else. Why do we need to worry about or cave into this much of, of life if eternity is where we're going to be spending forever in? I mean, why do we feel the need or the desire to be accepting by a fleeting world, a very insecure world, a world that is not only temporary, but whose sole purpose is to drive you away from your eternal one? Let me say that again. A world that is not only temporary, where you are, we're getting older, people. We're getting older. I found a hair on my ear the other day. I freaked out. You know, we're getting old here, people. A world that is not only temporary, but whose sole purpose is to drive you away from your eternal one. That's why when you look at the news and entertainment there, you see a war. That's why you look at the news and entertainment media, you will find that everything the Bible is against, the world is for. You think that happens by accident? You think that it's just because it's, it's, it's Christian and they're just calling out the Christians because it's something to do? No, there is a spiritual battle there. How sharp are your weapons, church? How sharp are, how ready are you to not only talk about your faith, but come toe-to-toe with an evil world and say, look, I know that you have your problems as I have my problems, but I have this truth that's living inside of me, and I want that truth that's living inside of me. I want you to have this truth because this is why you exist. This is why you are here. Everything that you find, it seems that everything you look for, when you look at the news and the media and on the radio and on television and the movies, everything that that the Bible is against, the world is for. And, but instead of, of living our faith by our actions and standing firm on the word of God, we cave in in order to embrace society's understandings rather than the eternal law laid down by Christ himself. My church, this is why you are here. This is why you exist not to tickle your ears so you feel better when you leave this place, uh, but to help you stand firm and stand strong for the things in this life that truly matter. That truly matter. How your soul matters. How the unborn matters. How love as God intended matters. How true justice matters. And how eternity matters. Eternity matters. Where are you going? Where are you headed? Who's going to follow you into the gates of heaven because of your example? Because how they saw you and saw, man, I see something different, something real. That something must be Jesus. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world. Easier said than done. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is perfect and acceptable in his eyes. 
Perfect and acceptable in whose eyes? In whose eyes? Acceptable and perfect in the eyes of an eternal and loving God who has created you to be exactly as he made you. Exactly as he made you. This may come to a a surprise, but loving and accepting everything just for accepting it won't give you peace. Loving and accepting and just giving in because you feel that it's right or you have good feelings, you don't want that other person to feel weird or awkward, that won't give you peace. But standing and loving and standing firm on the word of God is what changes everything. You were made, listen, all ears, please listen. This is very important. You were made in the perfect image of a perfect God. Don't distort that image because the world tells you that you are simply not enough. Don't let anybody tell you that who you are right now is not exactly who God created you to be. Your interpretation, listen to me, church, your interpretation of who you are does not determine who you are or who you think you are. God is the one who determines and gives you that identity and determines who you are. The world can't do it. Your culture can't do it. And you sure can't do it. God is your judge. God is the author of who you are and who you will become. God is. Not your neighbors, not your relatives, not your brothers, your sisters, not the world, not your friends, not your enemies. It's God. He is the one who determines who you are. He's the one who determines and sees you as who you are. And if that offends you, then so be it. I'm sorry. I'm not going to stand you and, and tickle your ears so you feel better about me and my insecurities as a way to fulfill them or, or, or make you feel better about your sir, yourself. This is the, the Lord's word. If that offends you, then so be it. Just because something is offensive doesn't mean that it's wrong. Amen? Amen. Just because something is offensive doesn't mean that it needs to be changed. God's word is offensive. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 17 through to 19, it says, If the world hates you, this comes from Christ himself. If the world hates you, keep in mind and in heart that it hated me first. As you belong to the world... If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. This is why. Listen to that. If you are hated because you stand with Jesus, listen to me. If you are hated because you stand with Christ, and trust me, you are in very good standing. You are in good standing. If you are hated because you stand by his holy and life-changing word, then blessed are you. God's word is offensive. <laughs> God's word is offensive to our flesh and our insecurities and our rebellious way of living. As I said before, you're never going to belong to this world. How do I know this? Because you're never going to find the freedom in trying to embrace something that you were never created to embrace. You were never created to completely belong here, just to live and die. You were created to know God and spend eternity with him. And that's such a beautiful thought. That's such a beautiful, life-changing thought. So again, I ask you, do you know who you are today, church? Individually. Not anybody to the left or the right around you. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you belong to? 
If you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and surrendered, surrendered, not only part, not only Sundays and Wednesdays, not only when it makes sense or when you're struggling. If you have surrendered your entire life to him and live that life out of appreciation. See, it's not about religion. Religion is us trying to, to make ourselves better with God. Christianity is appreciation for what he's done for us and living that life out of appreciation. If you have surrendered your entire life to him, as I said, and live that life out of appreciation, knowing the cost of your salvation, I can tell you exactly, I can tell you exactly who you are, church. Colossians 3, verses 13 through 17, it says, You are God's chosen people. You are holy and dearly loved. But that comes with a cost. It says, So put on tender mercy and kindness as if they were your clothes every day. Don't be proud. Be gentle and patient. Put up with one, with one another. Forgive the things that you are holding against one another. Forgive just as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all of these good things, put on love. Because love holds all of them together perfectly as if they were one. Verse 15 says, Let the peace that Christ gives rule in your heart. As parts of one body, you are appointed to live in peace. And be thankful. Let God's word live in you like a rich treasure. Teach and correct each other wisely. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing with thanks to the, in your hearts to God. Do everything and let everything that you say or do, do it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always giving thanks to God the Father through Christ. That is who you are. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do the things which God has prepared for us in advance to do. God's handiwork comes from the, uh, the word is uh, poema. It's a Greek word. And translated from Greek to English, that means Greek, uh, the word poema means masterpiece. Masterpiece. That's who you are. Standing here today, that is who you are. If you are looking for purpose here today, church. If you were looking for the very reason why you exist and breathe, then look no further. Listen. This is more than just pastor talk. This is more than just Christianity talk. This is more than just talk in general. This is life. This is purpose. Do not be conformed to this world and its ever-changing need to fulfill itself, but be transformed as you are created to be by the living, loving, and powerful Word of God through Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen? So I'd like to invite you here today. And we usually do an altar call, and I'm going to do that. And I'd like to invite you here today right now. It might be uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, if you need to get right with God, if you need to know Him as your personal Savior for the first time in front of everyone, I'd like to invite you to know the purpose of your being. To meet someone who looks at you just the way you are and sees a masterpiece. Not a nobody, not incomplete, but a living and breathing work of art. I'd like to invite you right now to come down to the front. And if, even if you have a relationship with Jesus, even if you have a relationship with God, and you're a little nervous, you're a little uncomfortable, then fine, that's fine. Grab somebody and come down to the front. Come down to the front. Get your purpose uh, and the reason why you were created. Get right with God here today, church. Ask Him for strength and for the ability to, to say, not only say you're a Christian, but to live your Christianity. 
to live it outside because there's a world out there that, 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 that hates Jesus because they don't know Jesus. There's a world out there that hates Christ because of the, the, the compromising and ever need to change and fulfill ourselves. Uh, 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 Christians that are in the building that need to be Jesus outside of the building. For those of you, please listen. For those of you who already have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you're, feel, maybe you're feeling unnoticed today. The opposite of, of, of secure in your personal life, and in your faith. Like you want to give up before the day has even started. Maybe at this moment you feel like you've fallen enough and just don't care to get back up anymore. And to be honest, that's okay. Not that it's okay to completely give up on yourself, but it's perfectly fine to feel that the world at this moment is way too heavy for you. It's just too heavy for you. But I want you guys to think in the midst of your personal storm to inhale and exhale. Breathe. Try your best to be honest with how you're feeling and be honest with yourself. And remember that there is a God who fought your battles to allow you to be here today. All those battles, all those personal hells that you went before, you went before. And you're still here and you're still ticking. And if you're still ticking, then God has a purpose still for you. Be honest with yourself here today, church. You will find that the more open you are in the darkest seasons of your life, the more God can use you to your fullest potentials when others are going through what you're now feeling. And yes, maybe you're in the trenches now. Maybe you feel ugly right now. Maybe you feel insecure. Even as a believer, maybe you just don't feel like you have the strength to be who God has created you to be. Maybe you're in the trenches now, but promise yourself that you won't stay in them. Allow God to use the brokenness within you to make you stronger. Allow God to fix you. You might not like the, you might not like the cast that he uses to heal you, but I promise you, church, I bet my life on this, that if you lean on a perfect God, you will eventually be healed. Amen. I'm living proof of this, guys. Many of you might not know this, but I came to this church broken and sad and brokenhearted, but God, through many of you, has helped restore my spiritual purpose, and I thank you so much for being Jesus to me. In the midst of my brokenness, I'm living proof of this. I believe with all my heart that God allows us to fall and fall hard so that we can eventually learn to fall on him. To trust fall. And I know trust falls aren't easy. But be encouraged that whatever you go through, you will always have someone there to catch you and help you back on your feet. And once there... Please, please do this. Once there, use your experiences to make known the God of eternal restoration. And remember, above everything that you hear today, remember this, that God loves you. He sent Jesus to prove it. He has created a masterpiece in you. Let him finish it. Thank you, God, for this day and for your word. Thank you, God, that we don't have to turn to a, an insecure and evil word to find, world to find fulfillment, but we can turn to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, the author and perfecter of why we live and breathe every day. Every breath that we take is a second chance that comes from you. Let us boldly live our faith. 
let us look at ourselves in the mirror and see the created image of Jesus. We were created in your image. We were created to know you and to love you. We've been given a challenge, but it's only by your strength in order to make that come to be. So we rest in you and we give you this time. We give you our lives. For those that don't know you, Lord, let us come down and experience you not as religion, not as something that'll give us a temporary high and a temporary fix, but experience you as we were created to because you are the reason why we live and we breathe and we die. When we die, it's just going to be us and you and all that's going to matter is if we represented you well. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. Without it, we're nothing. Help us to live our lives strongly and boldly to a world that needs to see Jesus more than anything. This world is tearing itself apart. Let us be the tools that you use to fix it. We give this time to you, Lord. We give this life to you. Let us be willing to be the church out there. Let this service continue outside those doors. We give you the honor and the glory because it's yours to begin with. Take our lives. Make us stronger. Make us bolder. Make us ready. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.